0: well it's a good day he's a faithful God I've had um, a few people actually messaging me this week just talking about deep encounters that they've had with the Lord in their times of prayer in the morning and it is the season I believe God is inviting us to deeper places so I encourage you uh, I'll mention these from time to time through the course of the year but these bookmarks are available for you just to be reminded that God is taking us deeper this year and so you can find them by the communion stations here in the lobby they're available just grab those put them in your Bible your book you're reading or on the dash of your car in front of your speedometer because we're not bound by the law (laughs) aren't you glad to be free Pastor A.T. didn't feel that way last week when he got a ticket on the way to church, but I'm not going to mention that in public. (laughs) We are going to be looking at John chapter 15, so I hope you're bringing like your physical, real, old-fashioned 1900s Bible. Um, And so you can find your way to John 15, and we'll get there momentarily. Um, We're focusing in on these first 40 days, and here we are, 36.2 days into the year. Um, Like this is the conclusion of the first tenth of the year today. 36 and a half days as we come back for worship night tonight. We've been focusing in just in an attitude of fasting and praying and asking the Lord just to do what He desires to do in all of our hearts and lives. So, really believing for tonight. Uh, to be fantastic as we press in. It's going to be um, water baptism. I had somebody see the, the water baptism tank, and they came and said, is it too late? Can we get in? Uh, it is still open season for dunking. If you are interested, <laughs> um, feel free. Let us know. And this evening during worship, uh, our worship time, we're going to have water baptism, and then we're going to come out of that. And we're just going to... I, I'm just... I, I, I totally understand that sometimes I can stand up here and, and feel compelled that I need to make a case for something. And that's such a wrong approach. But I still feel sometimes that need to feel compelled to make a case for something. And so I'm learning how to navigate through that and disarm that even within me, you know. L- letting the Lord do a deep work in me just as a person <laughs> that I don't get up and come from that posture of insecurity like I'm trying to convince somebody of something. But what I, what I am learning is God really does want to do a deep deep work and um, I I just feel that tonight just learning to pay attention to what he's saying what he's doing I feel that tonight um, the Lord is desiring to really awaken the prophetic in the place and so we've been just preparing and cultivating what it means to come together tonight and listen Uh, To what the Lord is saying so we're going to take some time just in listening in prayer and we're going to take some time in listening in prayer over each other that's called prophetic ministry and so we've got a team of people that we've been uh, encouraging and praying for and and last week met with and um, just talking about what it looks like to listen and pray and so we're going to issue everybody cards tonight. And we're going to ask you to listen and pray. We're going to come through a point in time in the evening where we're just going to listen and pray together. I believe God wants to raise up the prophetic company of the body of Christ in this hour of the church. So we want to make room for you to have ears to hear. How many times do you read it in Scripture, you who have ears hear? And so uh, we're going to, everybody have these cards, and then whatever you're sensing the Lord may be saying, we're going to ask you to write that on that card, drop it in our giving stations, uh, and we'll be able to go back and reflect on those things and just have a sense of what God is saying. We're going to take time for our team to be available to just listen and pray over those that want to come forward for that. So I just know it's going to be um, uh, a grand evening in him, uh, whatever he desires to do. So this first 40 days every year is our focus where we just look at what um, our five really Core values to what we know God has assigned us as a church family. It all boils down to the declaration that we're still tooling out and working out. And we're, we're, you know, every service we gather at the conclusion of our time, we make this declaration. It's in the action point that we conclude with GP2RL. We bring God's presence to real life. And so we know everywhere we go, how I many of you know you're going to go lots of places this week? Everywhere you go, you are assigned by God to bring God's presence to real life. In other words, you go and you sense his presence. And whenever you're having a conversation and you sense the presence of the Lord, what's happened, the Lord himself has leaned in on that conversation. And you need to pay attention when you sense that. And realize, okay, God's wanting to be involved here. The other person might not even be a Christian that you're with. But when you sense the presence of the Lord, pay attention to that. Lean into that yourself. Linger there for a moment. Don't just keep going through your busy day. When you sense the presence of the Lord, pause and consider what he might be up to in that moment. I, just, I know the Lord's going to awaken this within us more and more and more. So those five ideas we've put together in a declaration, and we like to say it particularly in this time of the year all together. so it's going to pop up on the screen if you would. Let's say this together as a declaration of faith and an attitude within us that we're growing in this. The more we come together in him, the more we become, we are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord. With irrationally giving lifestyles, as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. So today, I want us to, to look at what effective discipleship is. I'm going to take a different approach, maybe than what you would uh, commonly take. I, I know I just I wouldn't normally go this direction, but I felt it's what the Lord was asking, <clears throat> and um, and I kind of understand a little more now as I've prayed into it, um, but what we're really talking about is learning to live from an eternal point of view. How I many of you know your life does not look the same if you live according to a worldly point of view in comparison to if you learn to live in com- from a, an eternal point of view? Like in a worldly point of view, it's we can even get our heads around the idea, I want to I live a life that's going to make an impact in the generation after me. And, and we should. But like, God's actually asking us to live a life that makes an impact 5,000 years from now in the scope of eternity. And like that which has been, you know, entrusted to our care is to be passed on in the form of this baton of faith and we, we need to run our race well and carry the the perspectives of God. And, and so all of this is about the sacrificial nature of Christ being awakened within us, God who... Uh, it by, in very nature, Jesus, in very nature was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Philippians chapter 2. In other words, everything that's placed within our position, everything that's placed within our care, all of the influence that you've been given, God wants you to use that to see his kingdom expand. Anybody here say amen to that? And so I encourage you, look at your position, your friendships, your relationships, all of that through the lens of eternity And and we gather together like this and we don't forsake the assembling because it's what the scripture tells us to do. And I encourage you, in your giving, let that be an expression of worship that unlocks something of God's kingdom in your life. And uh, you can, you know, we give through our giving stations, you can give online, the envelopes in the seat back, you can text give to the number, do it through our app. But the point is when you give and you bring your tithes and your offering before the Lord, it should be an attitude of worship saying God of eternity has purposed for me to live in this season of time and I'm stewarding all that he's entrusted to my care. It's a beautiful reality of what it means to simply let him be Lord of all areas of our lives. So when we do that and we learn to walk this out as our way of life, then we learn what it really means to effectively disciple others. And effectively discipling is so misunderstood, and, and I'm, I'm going to geek out on you a, a little bit today with some things that I just have, it's just hit me so well, and I, I have so much I want to talk about, and I'm just going to try and discern my way through this, because I felt also the Lord was prompting me to share a video clip with you uh, in just a little bit, but Lord, I know you're here. I know you're not only with us, you are within us. And there just begin to be things that are spoken that resonate so deeply, and that's the awareness of the presence of God. You want us to learn that in moments like this, because you want us to practice that everywhere we go. We don't need a man to teach us, because your anointing will teach us, so help us to pay attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit, even when a person is talking to us in our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an interesting verse in Psalm 1611 and uh, it says, In the presence of the Lord there is, anybody know it? Fullness of joy. Now, do you know anybody who knows you at your worst? Have you ever had somebody who knows you at your worst and they show up and they're around friends who know you at your best? I don't know if you've experienced that. I have experienced that. Uh, Those of us who have like a, a littered past, Anybody here have a littered (laughs) past? Aren't you thankful God has redeemed our lives and delivered us from our past? And aren't you glad people in this room don't know all the stuff that has gone on in your past? But when somebody from your past shows up and they meet somebody from your present and the two of them start talking, how many of you know it's easy to feel a little bit nervous? Because that person knows some of your worst moments. This is the thing I want you to understand. God knows every worst moment you've ever had. And in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. This is really important that we understand. Because like he knows all the bad stuff. But the word says that you're designed in such a way, you're supposed to interact with him in such a way that in his presence, you're not ashamed of those things. You're actually filled with overflowing joy. That means you understand the redemptive nature of Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful reality. But the problem is we feel the fire of inadequacy in the church because we try to lay things on people that God never intended for us to lay on them. And then we, we hijack the whole concept of making disciples and evangelism and we try to reduce it to programs and we try to shove you a square peg into a round hole of the, the discipleship and, and outreach and evangelism program and this is what you do and this is what you say and this is how you go and we get this whole program situation set up and, and then people come in and they're like, it just doesn't seem like it fits but I feel really obligated because we see that in the scripture so I'm going to go out and do something that really isn't a natural fit for me. Now, we can use what I'm saying as a cop-out not to do anything. But, but the point I simply want to make is you need to understand evangelism is love. Our job is not to change anybody. Our job is to love everybody. But until you know who you are, you're not going to love others well because you're feeling all this sense of inadequacy. You feel like you should be doing something. You're not able to relax and be who God's called you to be. And when you learn to rest in who you are and you love others well, from that vantage point, their lives will be impacted by the deep love God placed within you. I can never preach like T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I can't, I can't do it. If you're ever in our neighborhood, friends, just come on in. I'm sure we'll make you right at home. I like to start with something funny. I, I, can't, I can't do any of those guys. <laughs> Some of y'all don't listen to Osteen, but I'm, that's a great impersonation, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> the humility is abounding right now. I, I, a long time ago, I had to realize I'm just not a great preacher. <laughs> But what I am good at is getting in a posture of reflecting and releasing what God is revealing. And, and, and I communicate. And so I've, I started piecing those things together and I started relaxing in who I was. And suddenly the broadening of that influence started to take place simply because I began to relax in who I was. You need to do that. We all need to learn this. And we're going to see this with some clarity today. We want to start in John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. And the Bible says, abide in me. This word abide is such a beautiful word. Abide, relax, rest, be there. Don't try and you know, earn your way. Just, just be there. Just rest in who you are. You're enough. He loves you so much. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Stop trying to be who people want you to be. Stop trying to be who you think you should be and learn to be who God created you to be. Rest. Abide in Christ. Verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. The fruitfulness of your life is actually tethered to the willingness of your heart to relax and be who God called you to be, regardless of the standard of comparison that you have suffered all of the days of your life. We are all uniquely and wonderfully different on purpose. Uh, last week in our uh, in our time of prayer training, preparation for tonight, it was really unique just hearing Pastor AT bringing details of, of encouragements and directives of, of how, how do we do this effectively and how do we just give ourselves to it completely and then uh, Beth Decker was in the room and she actually uh, said something to us later, said something to me later uh, about that tapestry of unique expressions that existed in the room and when she was talking about just the uniqueness of everyone in the room i just thought it's so important that everybody have a sense of endorsement i, you, I understand some of you are here right now you say i am weird i'm odd. i'm i'm strange i i don't seem to fit the mold anybody here feel that way Welcome. This is probably why you feel at home in this place. <laughs> we don't really want you to try to be anything other than just rest and be you. That's where you find yourself abiding in him and that's where the fruitfulness of God begins to be established in your life. This John 15 verse 8 it goes on it says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I just want you to know, oranges bear fruit, that's orange, (laughs) bananas bear fruit that's yellow, green, and then yellow, Uh, but you understand, like the orange can't look at the banana and say, oh, if only I was as tall as that guy, Uh, you know, the the apple is red, I mean, you bear fruit according to your kind, that's the way this works, And, and you have to learn to relax and be who God designed you to be, and out of that, then you're able to rest, and that's how you make the best impact in the world around you. And so I was just really asking the Lord to help us with this. Uh, and, and this is an important statement. I want, to, I want you to think about this. It'll pop up for you. But become, it's in your note, live notes if you have that on your phone. Becoming fruitful is a uniquely intimate process of learning to know and love God. Know and love yourself. And know and love others. The Bible says that we're to love God and to love others. How? As we love ourselves. You know, I don't hear a lot of people helping us learn what it means to love ourselves. But the Bible clearly endorses this. Relax and be you. Get comfortable with the reality that uh, we sang it a while ago, I'm not enough. And we just kept saying that I'm not enough. I mean, that almost feels like a bad thing. Does I'm not enough? It's just the reality that without him, we're not enough. And with him, we are. Like with him, that's all we need, and then we just do what God's called us to do so naturally out of that. But the problem is, we live in this standard of comparison, and the Bible actually says, "He who compares himself by them, or they who compare." Oh boy, I'm going to try this again. The Bible says, "They who compare themselves by themselves are not wise," uh, and and I, I I struggle with this because this is a five minute video. But I, I felt the Lord was just saying to play it, and I we played this about five years ago, and. It was just something that I felt like uh, our youngest daughter, Lexi, could have moved into a full-blown identity crisis in her own life. And I could explain it, but she just does a beautiful job with this, and so I think you'll get the picture very clearly of what I'm trying to say.
1: seniors a challenge. What message do we want to leave our school with? When I heard his challenge, I realized I had never told anyone my testimony before. I have grown up in the church and I come from a family of pastors. My sister actually wants to be a doctor and a pastor. That's not what I want to do, though. If you know my family, then you would have noticed that I am very different from the rest of them. My family is all very extroverted and I'm an introvert. I love to draw and am very artsy. When we would be in church on Sunday, my dad would, of course, be on stage. My mom and sister would also sometimes be on stage praying over people. And my sister also plays the piano for the worship team. I would be in the crowd and kind of feel like, now what do I do? I felt like I wasn't really impacting people like they were. I was in the crowd feeling like God couldn't use me because I wasn't on a stage. I also felt like they were the ones who were constantly hearing God. It was almost like they were in this super-secret club with God that they weren't telling me about. I didn't understand why it seemed like God only talked to them instead of me. Was I broken? Was I not praying hard enough? Why won't God talk to me? I was trying to hear him, but God seemed to be mute. It was like how some people say they're going through a dry season in their faith, except it was like I was going through a dry 16 years. It almost felt like I was living in a bubble, and I was watching everyone around me experience and hear God. The only other way I know how to explain my experience is this. Imagine you're at a concert with your friends and family. You can see that they are all experiencing something so amazing, and they're all talking about how amazing the concert is. You see all of this happening around you, and you so desperately want to experience it, too. But it's almost like you're in a soundproof bubble, and no matter how hard you try, you can't hear what they're hearing or feel what they're feeling. You are still stuck in your little soundproof bubble. In November of 2017, my family was on a ministry trip, and as usual, I was still stuck in my bubble, and God was still silent, or so I thought. That entire trip, different things would happen where I would get separated from my family, not like I would get lost in a crowd. But when we were walking, there would only be room for the three of them on the sidewalk, and I would end up walking behind or in front of them. Other times we would go out to eat with friends, and I would end up on the other side of the table from my mom, dad, and sister. I began to notice this happening, so I pointed it out to my dad. He told me that maybe God was trying to tell me something. But after 16 years of what seemed like only hearing God maybe four times, it seemed impossible that God was trying to talk to me. But it turns out, he was. I don't remember how it happened exactly, but I do remember that we were in the middle of worship. I had this moment where I suddenly heard God talking to me. It was amazing. It was like my soundproof bubble had been popped. I could finally experience the concert that I had watched everyone else get to experience for the past 16 years of my life. I heard and felt everything around me in a completely different way. Even the music sounded different. In that moment, God was telling me that I needed to stop comparing myself to my family. He created me for my own purpose, and I should be comfortable in who he created me to be. I had been comparing my family's speaking gifts with my artistic gifts, thinking that I couldn't impact people with my art. I realized that when I stepped into who God created me to be and I was comfortable with it, I found who I was in him. This journey hasn't been easy. I still battle the spirit of comparison in my life, but when I catch myself comparing my gifts with other people's gifts, I remind myself of the four words that God spoke to me that night that will forever define my life. Those words were, stay in your lane.
0: And I mentioned to Lexi, hey, I want to show your video Sunday. She said, no! I don't want to hear my voice. I don't want to see... (laughs) It's like, she's exactly right. She's uniquely different from her dad. Uniquely different from her mom, her sister. But she's wonderfully, beautifully made. And these gifts that exist within her have been hidden in many respects and in many ways. And um, this video has now been used in corporate training companies, churches, youth groups. Uh, Even last week, the reason I thought of it was I had a pastor reach out to me and say, hey, is it okay if I show this video that your daughter made to my church? And I'm just like, I mean, I've preached a lot of sermons. Nobody's taken a sermon of mine and done all that with it. I'll just say that right now. (laughs) I mean, you understand, like the unique expression of your gift is waiting to emerge if you'll stop disqualifying yourself. Now, the reason I said I want to geek out on you just a little bit is I want us to understand a little bit of the origin of why we live in such a standard of comparison. And, and you're going to have to track me here because I want to talk about some things that happened a long time ago. At the turn of the 20th century, something really re- uh, remarkable began to transact even within our nation, and the economic ideology began to shift. How many of you have a job and you work to make money? Raise your hand. <clears throat> okay, The economic ideology of our nation has set the tone for a cultural concept that I think has had more impact on us, all of us, in more ways than any of us realize. And what took place in that first decade of the 20th century as a transition was happening out of the 1800s, the nation's primary employer shifted from agriculture which is family dynamic interaction to industry which is corporate dynamic I need you to do these certain things and we're going to do this in the name of the pursuit of efficiency I know that makes somewhat sense to us, but when you start digging into this deeper, you start to understand that's about the time Frederick Taylor's scientific management, uh, those theories began to emerge. um, uh, Crazy how all of that began to have such influence. Huge impact on ultimately the pursuit of improving labor and productivity. Uh, Taylor worked closely with Henry Ford in establishing the first assembly line for making automobiles, and he broke this down into minute components to be quantified evaluated standardized controlled all in the name of improving factory efficiency taylor actually stated and i quote in the past man has been first in the future system must be first there's been a change in our way of thinking in humanity in general because we as a nation have had phenomenal influence in the world around us And in this pursuit of efficiency, it's produced the embrace of hurry, which is actually an enemy to compassion in the kingdom of God. In the pursuit of efficiency, it has perpetuated the embrace of hurry, which is an enemy to love. When you're in a hurry, you don't have time to be kind, to be compassionate and considerate. Yet we're so well trained in the pursuit of efficiency that hurry becomes justified even though it is very much an enemy of the kingdom of God. And the Lord is saying, it's time to slow down. To work in these systems where the pursuit of overall efficiency really began to prevail as the main uh, focal point, you had to check your your individuality at the door all for the sake of automation, efficiency, and duplication. How many of you know this is absolutely a reality that exists within us? So, so many people in this room have so much creativity, and you've never been invited to express that. Not only in the workforce, but how many you know this has had an incredible impact on the world, the church world, in which you and I live. We're scaling a lot of this stuff off of our eyes, and we're starting to see with a little greater clarity and move into this. But ultimately, um, there is this concept of McDonaldization, McDonaldization, and I read it in a book that I recently read, and then I discovered George Ritzer actually was the, uh, the originator of the term, and he's speaking of the process by which the principles of the fast food restaurants are beginning to, do- to dominate society. And so, McDonald's actually has this 75-page operating manual that they initiated. And in there, it tells everything from, I mean, everything is systemized from a 0.28-inch cut french fry to specific instructions about movements and behaviors of employees in every situation, in every place, in every restaurant. Similarly, Burger King has this operations manual that states in Rule 17, employees must smile at all times. These kinds of requirements are emotionally fabricated and physically impossible. These kinds of behavioral requirements are emotionally fabricated and physically impossible. But high levels of ambition lead to sophisticated methods of control. McDonaldization. Do you think it's had an impact on the church? Do you think it's had an impact on the church? South American theologian Renee Padilla said church growth people, this is systemization of church growth where it becomes, church growth is an idol in the culture in which we live. We need to understand that. I am not against church growth. I am for church growth. I just want Jesus to be at the center. Not the empire we're trying to build. Not the brand we're trying. I want the cross of Christ to be the brand that we're about. Church growth people. Renee Padilla said. Church growth people assume that you can make disciples the way you make cars. And the way you make sausages. (laughs) Eugene Peterson author of the Message Bible, made this statement. The vocation of pastor has been replaced by strategies of religious entrepreneurs with business plans. So Father, before we go any further, we just say as Christians in this great nation, we repent to you for allowing the culture of our society to define us more readily than the kingdom of God. I pray where in so many instances we dismiss the reality of kingdom theology as absurd. Or dismiss it as irrelevant. We recognize that we do so. When we're convinced. That the world system is the true reality. And the kingdom system is out of touch. So realign us we pray. Help us Lord. Not to just. Discard everything. But to listen. To what you're desiring to do. To make adjustments that will help us become more. Of the sons and daughters of God. Carrying the humility of Christ and the authority of God in the earth the way you desire for us to do so in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come. But I'm not finished. I don't want you to have false hope. (laughs) I didn't need that amen on that one. Jesus commissions us to go and make disciples. This is what we're talking about, effectively discipling. I've laid all the groundwork to try and help you relax and understand who you are, who God made you to be. And and to recognize Jesus commissions us to go to make disciples and he says this very important phrase that many times um, not necessarily receiving the attention that it needs in the statement of the commission. He is with us. He is with us. Remember, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. I, I remember, and it hasn't been too long, like maybe within the last five years, I remember standing in front of a, a, a church where I've been going for years speaking, and I, I literally got up and I said to them, uh, first time that I've ever stood before you, and i had been going there for over a decade. I said, this is the first time I've ever stood before you that I feel like the Lord is saying to me, That I'm actually totally free from what anybody thinks about what I'm going to say. Within the last five years, I I came to that resolve with that. Like, in other words, I haven't been free. The fear of man is a snare. It's confusing. I mean, when you relax in who you're really called to be and designed to be by God, you can stand before anybody in any role of position because you're no longer comparing yourself to them. But you're, if you don't know who you are before God, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to prove who you are before man. Amen. So figure out who you are before God and rest in that. I'm not trying to impress you, I, I'm, I, I used to. I'm growing, I'm maturing, the Lord's helping me. I'm I'm learning what transparency, humility, what those basis are. All I really care about is I just want the Lord to have his way in what he desires to say. Anytime we're gathering together, anytime we're coming together in small groups, I just want to sense what he's saying. Let's take a look at this Matthew 28 commission, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, You know, uh, Lexi, in her uniqueness, she's she's learning to relax in that expression of who she is more and more. Uh, we went to the tag office this last week to get a tag for her car. And as we're walking to the tag office door, the door opens and a lady comes out and she sees us and she offers this big smile. And and I think, you know, Lexi's kind of here, and I think, well, oh, she, she knows me. So I wonder if she goes to our church. I mean, I, I wonder how she knows me. And she smiles past me and she starts talking to Lexi. She doesn't have any idea who I am. She doesn't even know I'm with the person that she knows. And they start having this interaction. And Lexi's talking and just warmly interacts. I, I I just kind of stood there off to the side. The lady never even acknowledged me at all. Lexi never even asked me to pray or anything. I don't know. What was watching her just interact and just this warm compassionate sincerity Uh, it was beautiful that just out of who Lexi is designed to be she loved on this person in a conversational connection that some people might look at and say it wasn't any big deal. But I observed something taking place that's a kingdom transaction when a person relaxes in who they are and they just simply love other people well without some type of string attached or hook in their love. They're not trying to change them. They're simply trying to love them. I just want you to know love is enough to change a person's life. So go and make disciples and just realize he is with you. Relax, be you. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. He knows your worst stuff and he loves you. Like you are fully known by God. You are fully loved by God. It's an incredible something amazing about being fully loved. It's exciting. Something terrifying about being fully known. <laughs> what? Everything. You're fully known. You're fully loved. Take a chill. So everywhere you go this week, everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. Isn't that amazing? Like Just in his presence, I just find this joy. I, I can learn. And, and man, I'm, I'm watching my reactions more and more. This last week, I felt like the Lord kept saying to me, what you concentrate on will produce the impulsive triggers that exist in your life. For some of you, that are wrapped up in pornography. What that does is it produces these impulsive triggers that take you into a paradigm that needs to be completely broken off of your life. So I serve notice on that now in Jesus' mighty name. Let that be broken off of our lives and a willingness to be whole and pure and redeemed and restored. And when we learn to fix our eyes on him and concentrate on him, the impulsive, uh, those stimulus impulsive reactions start to be something actually rooted in the Father. And Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Somebody could cut Jesus off in traffic and he actually could respond to the Father rather than react to the situation. That's what we're supposed to do. Somebody can give you, uh, you know, A a terrible moment of interaction and it's easy to be kind when other people are kind but when they're unkind to you you can give them what God gave you instead if you're willing to be in touch with what he's desiring to say this is making disciples in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy I know uh, normally what we try and do is just leave everybody in a a moment of quiet as we conclude but I just feel today we're to stand at attention So if you're able, would you just stand to your feet? Would you stand at attention to the Lord our God? The Great Commission involves learning to walk in a deep awareness of God's presence, producing confidence in who He says you are. I want to say to you, please do not check your individuality at the door. It's been interesting over time just hearing some people get fussy about the loud people in the room. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just gonna tell you, I personally feel more inclined to integrate with the rowdy crowd than I do the dignified crowd but there's room for every person you don't have to be loud to be you know, awesome and in love with Jesus but don't be judgmental when somebody else is expressing themselves that way you don't have to check your individuality at the door, you just need to learn to not judge people for being something you're not and when you start to realize what you're not that actually helps you understand what you need And we then become unified as the body of Christ. We come together, man, I need the things that I'm not. When I see that in you, rather than judging you and becoming critical, I can become a student rather than a critic and embrace that which God wants to awaken and reveal even within me. So we are in the process. You need to understand, we're we're standing in the presence of the Lord right now. I want to give you your marching orders, and I want you to understand this. We are not the church we were five years from now, or five years ago. And we're not the church we're going to be five years from now. And do you know what's made the difference? The church. The people. Don't check your individuality at the door. Be who God called you to be and help us shape into who he desires for us to become in the days that are ahead. And let's be who God's called us to be as a family. Now, we have a way of communicating this in a very strategic, specific way, and we call it discovering destiny. And one week from today, right after the service, we're gonna conclude and we're gonna say, We wanna have a 30 minute conversation with you to explain how we as a church family want to express what God's done now and how you can be a part of what God's desiring to do ahead because things that exist within you matter to us. We want you to discover your destiny, and in doing so, we then discover destiny that God has purposed to cross all of our paths together. And so that's one week from today, and you can fill out a Connect card. Let us know you're interested in that. It's a 30-minute thing. It's pretty low impact, and it explains the following six-week conversation That you'll be invited to go to if you're interested in taking the next step after you hear the explanation. Next week. Everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. So this week, your action point, I want to ask you to practice God's presence in places of prayer. Very intentionally. (laughs) Get in a place of prayer. I have had uh, multiple people this week send me messages and say, I had a deep encounter with God in my devotion time with the Lord. Can I just say, would you make some room to have uh, devotion time with the Lord and see what God might do if you actually just crack open your Bible and listen and pray and read and you just consistently in the morning just pursuing fresh bread of revelation that God wants to awaken within you. And I'm, I'm asking you to do that this week very intentionally Watch for God's grace and favor in your daily interactions. When you sense the presence of the Lord, just lean into that. When he's leaning into it, you lean into it. Cooperate with what he's doing. So tonight we're going to gather, and I believe this atmosphere is, the Lord's going to take us into a deeper place. I would invite you, it starts at 6, but I would invite you to come at 5.30. There's a group of us just committed. We're already going to be here praying and just declaring the atmosphere. I just believe the Lord wants to awaken something. And there's a cost to the kingdom of God. You realize the sacrifice of Jesus is at the center of the kingdom. And so I would invite you to be part of the team that actually pays the price and sacrificially says, Lord, come, and it awakens something in the hearts and lives of so many other people. So right now, Lord, we just stand in this place and we just say, we, we've since that you're having this conversation with us on a deeper level. We resist the framework that would request for us to check our individuality at the door. I just, uh, I, you know, sometimes just a physical demonstration releases a, a deeper expression of something. And, and I just want to ask you if you're here and you say, that individuality that you're talking about within me, I've, I've not been willing <laughs> to express that for whatever reason. But I just want you to lift both your hands and let's let that go. Let's just surrender to Him. I want to say you be you you be who God says you are you be who God designed you to be to us he gave the ability to become the sons and daughters of God when we accept Christ we are given the Bible says it very clearly we are given the ability to become the sons and daughters of God in this process of becoming we learn more about who we are because of who he is so Lord we just surrender we've allowed pressures things Lord that have held us back in so many ways in Jesus mighty name In Jesus mighty name and we say Lord would you just come and have your way lead us guide us direct us Come on let's set our faith in agreement with this beautiful salvation message everybody in the room we acknowledge Jesus came he lived he died he was crucified on that cross buried in a grave but he's risen from the dead and he's here in this room many of us had a conversation with him this morning he's alive we recognize that come on if you acknowledge jesus as lord let's give him a hand clap of praise he is worthy of our praise lord jesus come lord jesus come have your way in us we pray Come on, I'm gonna ask our prayer team if they'll come right over to my left. we're just gonna press in for a few moments in worship. And I would invite you, if you need any form of prayer of agreement, this is a team that's really devoted to praying for us as a congregational family consistently. And so if you want us to pray with you about anything or, or pray about anything going on maybe in someone else's life, you need healing, you need provision any breakthrough, if you would need to confess any form of bondage, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another, pray for each other, and you'll be healed. Isn't that interesting? We understand confidentiality, and we want to take just time to really pray and believe for his kingdom to come, be released in our hearts and lives. So we're just going to take a few moments in worship, and our prayer team is available, and then uh, we'll conclude and be dismissed. But let's press in and really just bring back to the Lord something he's deposited in our heart as an act of worship right now.